Hey everybody. Welcome to the first mini episode on the How to Sleep podcast. These are going to air every Monday following the Friday episode um, that precedes it. It'll be an opportunity for you to send along any questions you have about that episode that precedes it. I definitely want to answer your questions and I, I do want to hear from you. Uh, so this will be an opportunity for me to to get to some of those questions and engage a little bit with, with everyone who's taken the time to listen. And I thank you. It's also, I'm just assuming I'm going to make some mistakes. Maybe not in reading the manuals, but maybe just in sort of, you know, some of the, the comments I make about, you know, what the manuals make me think of. So if there's anything I need to clarify or correct in in any previous episodes i will definitely do that and then this is also still an opportunity to read through one short manual that won't take nearly as much time so we're going to accomplish all that in a shorter amount of time this will be a uh, it's called a, a mini episode for a reason and what I need your help with is I, when I thought of this episode, I thought I would call it either a mini sleep or a mini manual. And I don't know which one I want to do. And I was going to call it a mini sleep, but the more I say it out loud, mini manual sounds better. I like the sound of it. So I will pose that to you, the listeners. Um, we will. I'll put a post up on, on the Facebook page and you can vote. That would be great. So thank you. One thing I want to mention right away is uh, one listener, a friend of mine, his wife, made a very good point to him. Uh, she she said she was enjoying the podcast, which thank you, Don, so much. I I really appreciate you listening and and enjoying. I hope you continue to enjoy. Um, but she made a very very valid point in that you know how can if I get to the point I don't have any advertisers right now and there's no ad reads on this podcast yet. You know. I'd, I'd love to find a way to, you know, seamlessly add them in to the podcast later if we get enough listeners. So please, of course, sh- share the podcast, spread the word. Um, but but until then, she made a good point. How 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 am I going to get any advertisers if the podcast puts everyone to sleep? They can't hear the ads. So who's gonna who's gonna pay money for that? makes a good point. So how to, there's really two thoughts. One, maybe some listeners are listening to the podcast to fall asleep. And if that's the case, I absolutely hope it's helping. I've, I've been laying in bed many times where I can't sleep and a podcast is really the, the only thing that, that lulls me to sleep. And that's important. And it, it's comforting. So if it's doing that and me rambling right now is helping you, then absolutely, um, that's great. If it is doing the opposite and and you're listening to hear about 
instructions on on a variety of everyday items then how they're put together then then by all means you're you're still awake and, and the ads work for you but um, the other thing to do of course is just to to put all the important information up front and front load the podcast and and that also uh, works for advertising but it also can work for how to connect with me and to connect um, and share any ideas that you have about the show so uh, to to do that there's a couple ways the the brand new the brand spanking new sparkly Facebook page is live the how to sleep podcast Facebook page is live if you haven't already please uh, hit click that sign up button and like the page to make sure you're getting all the updates I post on the page um, that is just how to sleep podcast uh, just search that in the Facebook and, um, and and you'll get that in Facebook then how to sleep podcast at gmail.com I did get an email and, and I'll, I'll share one of the questions someone sent in from that so those are the two main ways and of course in the the your podcast app uh, you know subscribe to the podcast download the episode share and, and the reviews are are important I want to hear what you guys think so if you're liking it please let me know with the with those reviews so Don thank you for sharing that that feedback and, and those thoughts it's really helpful so we're gonna get right in to a couple of questions that you guys sent in so thank you very much for sending the questions in so Dan Riley asks Mike I'm curious about the trends of most popular Christmas purchases over the last few decades my nieces and nephews are way into video games when was the last year that a physical toy topped the charts Thanks for the question, Dan. That's a great one. Um, so I I did a little bit of digging to to figure out to get the best answer I could for this, and and it's it's interesting. I I grew up playing video games, and I think you will hear a little bit more about that in our our episode, of part two of the toy manuals, um, with Nintendo, and it was a thing that definitely I identified with and was a big part of my childhood and growing up but Dan has a good point with so many kids playing video games uh, on consoles on their phones are they still playing with you know tangible actual toys so I looked up the sort of the top toy per year from since 1965 and and what I found was a list, and I'm going to post this in the show notes, so you can definitely go through. I, I don't really have time to, to go through every toy, but I'm going to read through from 1965 to get a sense of the progression of toys and, and where they've gone, and it's pretty interesting. So, 1965, the top toy was the G.I. Joe action hero figure, and 1967 was Light Bright, uh, which is cool to see from the part one of the toy manual 68 1968 hot wheels and then in 1972 uno pretty interesting to see a card game on the top list in 72 73 a skateboard which is that's it always seems like the iconic 
toy in a lot of holiday movies when Santa is a character and, and he has his toy sack and the kid wants a, a skateboard or um, a bike, but a bike doesn't always, it's not as easily, it's not as easy to show that coming out of a, a, a Santa sack. So a skateboard is, is always iconic. Uh, that was 1973. 75 was the Pet Rock, which is <laughs> the most tangible thing. It's just a rock. And a genius, genius marketing play by the the gentleman who discovered that. And then, in '77, Star Wars action figures came in came into play, and and we'll see as we go through some more of this list, the you know the the idea and the concept of kids and adults too needing to and wanting to collect all of them. And and the variety that that the companies create with action hero sets and 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 dolls and and what we get to later is uh, is impressive. Um, you know, uh, collecting baseball cards and football cards and basketball cards, um, Pokemon cards. We'll get to that. Those are all things you got to have them all, and it's very smart um, because it keeps you coming back. So Star Wars is 1977. And then in 1978, the Simon Memory Game was a top toy. And that's the, uh, you know, one of the first electronic toys, soon to be followed the next year with the Atari. That was 1979. And that's when things started to be revolutionized. This is the first video game that had interchangeable cartridges so you could play multiple games on the same console and that was a an entirely new concept and it changed the way um, kids and adults played games so moving on in 1981 the top toy was the he-man action figure set masters of the universe i still have a a tote in my parents basement with all my he-man figures that was that was my go-to um 82, My Little Pony. And also, this is just something to consider. Maybe a fun quick search online. What was the, the top toy when, when you were born? I, I'm curious to see about that. Moving down, 85 was Teddy Ruxpin. Anyone have a, a Teddy Ruxpin out there? This was the animatronic talking teddy bear. His, uh, his eyes moved. His mouth moved. There was a, a cassette player in his back that you put a cassette pl- tape in, and he'd read books to you. And it was fascinating and comforting, and boy, did I love my Teddy Ruxpin. Until, like, one of the eyes would start, like, falling, getting loose and falling out of socket, maybe sinking back into the, the, the head of the, the robot bear, and then things started getting a little eerie. And maybe the batteries were dying, so he was talking in a really slow, sluggish voice. But that's Teddy Ruxpin, and I, I believe might be making a comeback. I would love to see that, if that's the case. So moving on. So in 1987, interesting juxtaposition here uh, between the sort of the real physical, tangible... And then 
the the video games. So in 1987, Jenga was the top toy. The the game where you you have the wooden blocks in a tower, and you have to expertly remove one block at a time without the integrity of the tower's foundation collapsing. And that Jenga is still popular today, and they're making giant, you know, human-sized Jengas to for people to play outside at restaurants and, and breweries and whatnot. But then the next year. The top toy in 1988 was the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. And this, this is really the thing that changed it all. This is the system that, it, it was a console, and it had all different games, and these games were designed with a lot of different developers. Um, Nintendo had a very specific rule about the you know the number of games that could be made by developers so a lot of different developers worked and and what that meant is that the quality had to be as high as possible so you saw a lot of the best franchises and video games launched with the Nintendo with Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda and, and so on and so forth and and this was this was the game that changed this was my first console. Um, I had played my parents' Atari, but my sister and I got this for Christmas. And this was the one that that you, you played with friends, you played all the time, and it, it, it became addictive playing video games because there was always a new game to play. And, and it's also when advertising on TV and in magazines became a thing too. So this is just the start of what Dan was talking about. And then if we move through the list, uh, 89 was a Game Boy. In 1990, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, toys. Moving down in 1995, Beanie Babies were a thing. My sister had so many Beanie Babies. Those are definitely still at my, my parents' house. All right, I don't. I wonder if they're still worth money. How, how much are Beanie Babies worth these days? I haven't looked that up recently. And then you have your Tickle Me Elmo in 96, the uh, Tama, is it Tamagotchi? I didn't have a Tamagotchi. I might be mispronouncing that in 1997. Uh, that was a little handheld virtual pet that you had to take care of. And if you didn't take care of it, it would die. Um, so very, very real consequences in the virtual world. The Furby, the robotic, talking, weird-looking creature with the big ears was in 1998. Pokemon cards in 99, and then, you know, in 2004, you had the Nintendo DS, which was a handheld version of the uh, Nintendo. This was after Game Boy, of course. That was two screens, and one of them was a little touch screen. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, maybe still one of the, the highest-selling handheld games of all time. Uh, the Xbox 360 was in, in 2005. The Nintendo Wii, which was a, a, an incarnation, another version of the Nintendo in 2006. And then 2007, iPod Touch. 2010, iPod. 2011, the LeapPad Explorer, which is a tablet with educational games, which is really cool that they're you know trying to um, trying to use the technology and the tablet and the games for kids to learn, which is really great. And 
2012 uh, Wii U, which is just a, another addition to the Nintendo Wii. And then 2014, you had the Frozen dolls from the movie Frozen. 2015, you had BB-8, the droid from Star Wars. So these are the physical toys that people were playing with. Um, 2016, Hatchimals, which are also robotic creatures that are hatching from their own eggs. And these are still pretty popular from what I can gather. I sound so old with no children, so, um, but I, I do think they're still popular. And then 2017 saw the LOL Surprise dolls, which are, they come in, and I asked my sister this, because I don't know what they are, and it's evidently what I'm going to be getting um, my nieces for for Christmas this year, I think. Um, talk about last-minute shopping. And they they come in little balls, and, and it's a mystery. So, you know, the kids don't know what doll they're going to get until they open it. And then, you know, they have to collect all of them. There's a variety of them. And this goes right back to what I was saying. That's just a genius genius design and toy toy line design to have so many different options, but not know what you're getting until you open it. There's a lot of anticipation and excitement there. So 2018 Toy of the Year is to be determined. So is it like a game, like an app, like Fortnite? Is it, I saw there's a Hot Wheels corkscrew crash uh, track that Hot Wheels cars can be used on with about three or four, you know, loop-de-loops that you can play with. It looked like a pretty intense uh, track for your Hot Wheels. So I think to answer your question, Dan, could be as soon as this year that there are physical actual toys. Um, It definitely was last year, although the video games are very popular, and they, they will be and will continue to be. That's not going to the physical playing with toys and going going to go away anytime soon. So thanks again for your question. And uh, listeners, in case you haven't uh, watched it yet, I, I do want to say, and this isn't by, like I said, I, I'm definitely not being paid by Netflix, but um, if you haven't seen the show The Toys That Made Us on Netflix, definitely check it out. It's a wonderful show looking at the history and how a variety of toy lines came to be um, through interviews with everyone who was involved in the process, uh, vice, vice presidents, toy makers, anyone at all with the company who had something to do with it becoming incredibly successful. Uh, most of them are interviewed. Um, and so there's two seasons. There's four episodes per season, and they cover He-Man, Barbie, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Lego, Hello Kitty, Star Trek, Transformers. Check it out. It's an incredible show. I actually haven't seen season two yet, but I, I actually loved season one just to, to see you know where these toys that I loved growing up, the toys that made us, the toys that made me, at least some of them. How did they come to be? Pretty smart idea. Next question. Got an email. So again, the email uh, 
to the podcast is how to sleep podcast at gmail.com. Kevin B in Florida asked, where do you get your manuals? Which is a pretty good question. So, so far it's been a few ways. There's a website, uh, manuals lib, L I B, dot com that that's, it has thousands and millions of, of manuals. So there's a lot housed and stored there. If you're missing a manual for something, you might actually find it there. Um, so manuals lib, um, company websites. So Hasbro, that's where I found the, the, the manual for the game of life. And, uh, also some, some searches online and, uh, hard, just actual hard copy manuals that I receive with products that, that I purchase. So uh, if you have any manuals or you find any online or you have physical copies, you want to scan an email to the show, definitely, definitely do. I would, I'd love to take suggestions for those, um, to, to read through those. And final question for a quick manual read is so, so, uh, at breakfast the other day, uh, the other day was yesterday. I guess it feels like a long time ago. Yesterday, my wife asked me if what type of reading level manuals are to be written in and, and why. So, for instance, if if there's a toy that is ages eight and up, should should that manual, presumably the kid can read it, if it's eight and up, should it be written for the eight-year-old to understand and, um, and I, I don't, I don't know, uh, initially. So I looked, I, I researched a little bit and I'm still going to dig around more and I'm going to reach out to some people I know who, who could get us more info on this. Cause I'm, I'm curious and see if we can't, um, talk to some, some technical writers who are involved in manual writing themselves. But the, the short answer is, uh, yes, their manuals are written and tailored to their audience, but that audience, um, for the most part, what they're trying to do is remove any jargon from their the manual as much as possible. If there is jargon, they're going to explain what it means and why they're using that, that terminology. And they're trying to use the use of plain language, which is very simple, not overcomplicated, not wordy uh, sentences. No, no words aren't aren't too large. Um, just to make it as simple as possible to understand the manual, and when necessary, include pictures into a manual. Um, necessary steps. That's why you you hear a lot of bullet points and steps in the manuals I read. There's a lot of common themes because that's how people, um, most people, easily understand the manuals okay so let's finish off with a manual in the mini episode and full disclosure i I received actually today in the mail uh, because i have a a membership with spotify i I, a certain level membership i i got a google home mini in the mail they sent it to me um, which is a interesting uh, move on their part and and pretty great. So I, I haven't even explored the uses other than I just read the manual. So I just received this and this is, you're gonna, you're gonna hear it 
re- go through it about the same time as I do. So they there are three parts to it. So there's one uh, square blue card with white lettering that says, let's get started. And then the Google logo on the bottom left, let's get started on the top right. And then on the back, it is, there's two steps. And the first step is a circle. The top left of the circle has a blue dot with one inside of it. And there's a lightning bolt inside of that. And on the right of that, in blue font, it says plug it in. And then in gray lettering, it says connect the power adapter to your Google Home Mini. And then step two, there's a circle with a uh, blue circle at the top left of that circle that says the number two. And there is an arrow pointing down with the uh, line below it, which is the sign for downloading. And to the right of that, in blue font, it says get the app. And then in gray font, it says download the, and this is in bold, Google Home app from Google Play or the App Store on a compatible phone or tablet. Then follow the on-screen steps to finish setup. And then a little bit below that, spaced down, it says in a little bit smaller font, to learn more, visit g.co slash home slash help. And then a couple spaces down below that. Apple and the Apple logo are trademarks of Apple Incorporated, registered in the U.S. and other countries. App Store is a service mark of Apple Incorporated, registered in the U.S. and other countries. And then tiny little font right below that, 953-00504-01 underscore R-E-V and then capital A. So that's the first part of the instructions. That's the one card. The next is a trifold. So it's the same size and shape. It's a square and it's a trifold. And so on the outside of the trifold, it's a, it's, this is gray background now with white font, similar to the first part of the manual. Get to know your Google Home Mini. And then the Google logo on the bottom left. So if we open up the trifold, we have information on the the inside left, and then the the middle, and then the right. So the left, middle, and right. The left in blue font touch controls, and we have an image of the Google Home, which is from here. It just looks like a circle with. Part of a half circle on the left side that's in light blue, and then on the right side another small half circle on the right, and then four white dots in the center running horizontally. And at the very top of this image, just to the right of the the cord that plugs into the wall, so we only see a, a fraction of that cord, there's another circle that has an on-off switch with a microphone on the button. And uh, to the right, there's a line that says in blue font, mic switch. To turn the mic off, switch to show bright orange. I actually turned the mic off, didn't know what I was doing, 
and then the Google Home surprised me by talking to me and saying if I wanted to turn the mic back on, I could <laughs> hit the switch. So that was interesting. And then below that, the the right side of the circle with the blue half circle, it says uh, tap right side. And then below that it says volume up. And then right below that it says long press play slash pause. So this took some getting used to how to tap that side to change the volume. And that's still going to take some getting used to. I haven't played around with it much yet. On the left side, so this is the opposite. On the right side, it's turning the volume up. On the left side, it is uh, tap left side, and then below that, volume down, and then long press, and then below that, play slash pause. So these are, and I don't think I mentioned it, at the very top of this page in blue font, it says touch controls. So those are the touch controls. All right, so the middle page in blue says just start with quote okay Google end quote and then there are one two three four dark gray circles that are sort of like speech bubbles um, to signify the machine speaking to you and below that it says what it's saying which is hi how can I help you question mark and then we have some examples of things you can ask. So on the uh, bottom of the page in blue font it says living room. And then here are some of the examples. Uh, play the crown on Netflix on my TV. There's an asterisk here and there's actually a few asterisks. And what they are alluding to is on the bottom right or on the right page in the very bottom, it says controlling certain devices and features in your home requires a compatible smart device. Subscriptions are required to access some content. All right, so some other suggestions of things you could ask for. Pause the TV. Let's play a game. What game? I don't know. Just let's play a game that eerily sounds like the Saw movies and um, you know there's a lot of jokes about you know machines that can talk to you and and uh, this is uh, we'll, we'll see if hearing a, a voice out of nowhere that sounds eerily human um, unnerves me at all I think it should be fine though another one dim the lights and play some music I actually, actually, I'll share one of the examples I did. It's on the next page. So uh, the final suggestion on this page is find my phone. So I'm assuming it would probably make a, a noise and trigger a noise on the phone. All right. So on the right side, kitchen is another area of the house. Uh, that's in blue. And here are some suggestions. Set a lasagna timer for 25 minutes. Add flour to my shopping list. Broadcast it's dinner time. And that would go throughout the house. 
if your house was set up for it. Another one, call grandma. What's the weather this weekend? All right. And then finally, in the bedroom, some suggestions, suggested phrases. Wake me up to music at 7 a.m. Play relaxing sounds. So that's the one that I I tried saying, and it, it cut to my uh, Pandora and played a relaxing music station. It was quite nice. Good morning. Play KEXP radio on TuneIn. And lastly, turn on the bedroom lights. So if this is if you have this integrated with with any form of smart uh devices in your house, I, I could see it being pretty interesting um if you could if you like audio commands. And then the final page we have so this is on the 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 back of that right page I was just talking uh, reading from. There are two parts uh to this learn more in blue font and that says for more suggestions, try asking, okay, Google, what can you do? Which is pretty helpful, because I'm actually pretty curious what that can do. Discover more things you can do with Google Home Mini at g.co slash mini slash explore. And then finally, in blue it says support. If you have any questions, we're here for you 24-7. For online help and support, visit g.co slash home slash help. To reach an expert, visit g.co slash home slash support. And then on the very back of the manual, it says G953-0111 underscore R-E-V capital A. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the mini the mini manual. Let's try that. The mini manual. And if you think I should switch it to a mini sleep, I'll post a poll on Facebook. So you can find the podcast at How to Sleep Podcast uh, at Facebook. You can email me at how to sleep podcast at gmail.com and please send any questions you have please uh, like and review and share the podcast get the word out i absolutely appreciate it thank you so much for listening and i look forward to you hearing part two of the holiday toy manuals happy holidays talk to you all soon